Hello and welcome to Direct Relief News. I'm your host, Amory Garafanelli. On this episode of the podcast, we look at how the pandemic is affecting children's development and what the long-term consequences could be. COVID-19 is typically benign in children, usually presenting as a mild flu or nothing at all. But for society's youngest members, the effects of the pandemic go beyond the disease itself. From the moment a child is born, socializing plays an important role in their development, from learning to share to honing their language skills. But with social distancing measures in place, many kids are missing out on opportunities to play. So how is that affecting their development? Uh, My name is Stacy Scarborough, and I am the director of an Early Head Start program. I spoke with the head of Venice Family Clinic's Early Head Start program in Los Angeles, California. So tell me a little bit about the clinic's Head Start program. Sure. So we are an Early Head Start program, so we provide services uh, to families with young children, birth to age three, and pregnant women. And um, we do home-based, which is um, we do home visits with families, and we offer them playgroups. And we have a center-based program where children come to the center each day for their educational component and nutritional component. At the center, teachers lead children through group lesson plans designed to promote basic developmental growth, from speech to fine motor skills. A typical day might include counting Cheerios, scribbling with crayons, and crawling through obstacle courses. While Scarborough says most children are hitting their developmental milestones, they have exhibited abnormal behavior. We do see such a heightened awareness of everything, like they're constantly telling on their peers, they touched this and didn't wash their hands. (laughs) My mom didn't brush my teeth. So they're really like, they are telling everything because they have such a heightened awareness and they're really into wrong and right at this age. So our providers have been very like cautious. What's happening with this generation? I mean, they're constantly telling on each other of every everything. So, you know, there's a you know there's a lot of mental health to, to help kids like relax and play and not be so concerned about you know everything, which they are. So, do you think the lack of social interaction has affected kids in any way? I think, um, I don't know if I can come up with a very specific story, but, you know, they're very aware that they they need to stand apart. They're very aware that they shouldn't touch another item that somebody has. Um, And, you know, that's hard for sharing. This is an age where you learn how to share. And we're kind of encouraging no sharing. And that's a big skill that you need as an adult to bring into the workplace. (laughs) And this is the, this is the time of eight. This is the age where you work on developing those skills, and we're kind of saying you can't do that. And so you know this is the window of opportunity, and you know they'll learn it later. It's a harder it's a harder thing to learn when you've learned not to share under trauma, and then we're gonna say later in life you gotta share. You're not you're not a good human being if you don't know how to share. So, you know, those, those soft skills are tough right now to be learning when they're supposed to be learning them. But interpersonal skills like sharing or learning how to work in a group 
are not the only areas of concern. Stacy and other providers at the clinic have noted delays in speech and language. They're um, lacking from those social interactions that they would have normally gotten from people outside their homes. They're lacking that play time with other children. Dr. Michelle Aguilar is the head of pediatrics at Venice Family Clinic. She sees patients from birth up to 18 years of age. She says during the pandemic, many kids are receiving less attention. Many of our caregivers are now under a lot of stress and having to divide their attention to other children who would, the older children who um, wouldn't have normally been at school, so the parent had more time and attention to give to the younger child. For many parents, money has become a major source of stress. With millions of Americans out of work, the pandemic's financial fallout has been significant. And for those struggling to pay rent or put food on the table, providing for their children's basic needs can be difficult. During the pandemic, housing and food insecurity have skyrocketed, at the same time as rates of domestic abuse and neglect have increased. These kinds of stressful events, referred to as adverse childhood experiences, can have long-term consequences. So studies have have demonstrated that um, adverse childhood experiences has um, a detrimental effects on brain development, um, overall health. So we see long-term effects, um, learning disabilities, um, depression, um, obesity, heart 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 conditions. Um, so it it does have a huge impact. Have you had any patients that have experienced? what you would consider an adverse childhood experience because of the pandemic? I would say yes. Um, you know, families have had to separate with um, when, when a caregiver becomes a family member, becomes ill, they've had to, you know, separate for some time to stay with other family members so they do not get exposed. Uh, you know, housing insecurity, having to move into a new home, multi-generational homes that are now crowded. Um, so, so yes, there, there have been ongoing already adverse um, childhood experience due to the pandemic, leading to toxic stress. The pandemic's effects on children are not only catching the attention of parents and pediatricians. A handful of researchers are looking closely at the issue, including Dr. Rashmita Mistry. Um, so my name is Rashmita Mistry. I am a professor in the Department of Education at the University of California at Los Angeles. Dr. Mystery is interested in how major historical events affect the children who live through them. She's the author of a recent study on how the pandemic is likely to affect children's health and well-being. So what are the long-term implications of experiencing a pandemic at a young age? So let's take the example of um, children's cognitive and cognitive development and academic achievement. So if a you know a young child, there's really strong compelling evidence that um, especially for children from lower income households and backgrounds, that access to high quality early childcare programming really helps to kind of lessen some of the achievement gaps that have been documented for children from wealthier 
families and households as compared to lower income households. So if the pandemic hits and a parent loses their job and their childcare provider is shut down because of concerns around the spread of the virus or their provider shuts down because they can no longer afford to stay open or because the parent can't afford to send their child to that program because they can't afford it. Um, then the child has lack of, they've lost an avenue, they've lost access to critical resources that are likely to help support not just their kind of cognitive development, but also their mastery of kind of basic foundational academic skills, um, as well as kind of key social emotional learning that we know happens in early childcare programs and spaces, right? And that's not to say that parents can't and don't do a lot of that support at home, but for lower income children, we know kind of access to those early child, high quality early childcare programs are also really, really important and instrumental. These kinds of disruptions don't just cause temporary setbacks, Dr. Mystery says. They can have consequences that continue throughout the long term. You know, okay, so we're now moving beyond the pandemic. The child as a four or five-year-old enrolls in school, right? Um, they're going to maybe start a little bit further behind in terms of that kind of key foundational academic knowledge or those kind of uh, social emotional skills. So they're going to have more catch up to do, right? But the child, let's say, for example, that the child is attending a school, a neighborhood school in a lower income community that maybe doesn't have the same level of resources or the same level of teacher qualifications or, you know, is just under-resourced in ways that kind of better funded public schools might be. So that child's educational experience is further compromised in that circumstance, right? So had, had that child been able to attend a higher quality school, maybe that catch-up would have happened and would have been sufficient, right? But if that child then continues to attend an under-resourced school that is you know, struggling in its own ways due to lack of public funding and support, then that child's cognitive and academic and social-emotional development is going to continue to be compromised in ways that are important, right? So then that builds on one of the things we know is, um, you know, we, we think about like the third grade as this critical transition point. So it's not that it's super fatalistic, but we know that the, the transition from third grade, third grade on in terms of the kind of curriculum work that happens in school, if you haven't really mastered those foundational skills by then, then those disparities just continue to widen, right? So kids continue to fall back or move forward based on how these, these early educational opportunities and skills were able to really set kids up to be much more successful long-term. So it's really this like cascading effect. And again, if there aren't points in the system to catch it and correct it, then what's likely to happen is that there's just going to be this accumulation of um, shocks and disruptions and disadvantages 
that are just going to kind of continue to play out. Mm. Okay, so it seems like you're saying that economic resources, um, a child's socioeconomic status plays a large role in their healthy development. Um, But can you talk more about how the pandemic specifically plays into this? The pandemic in some way is um, making a lot of this a lot more visible. It's been there for a while, at least speaking within a U.S. context. Um, You know, issues around childhood poverty have existed we have almost one in four children pre-pandemic that were living in families that were officially designated as poor, right? And so poverty is not new in the pandemic. It's been elevated. There are more families that are struggling and more children that are being placed at greater risk for experiencing poverty and then experiencing all of the negative repercussions of that. And again, like I said, you know, we already know that young children are at are particularly vulnerable to the long-term adverse consequences of experiencing poverty as compared to older children. So it's not that this any of this is new to us. In fact, it raises the alarm for being even more concerned about how the pandemic is likely to affect children's kind of both short-term and long-term developmental outcomes, especially for kids um, who were already vulnerable even prior to the pandemic, right? So in this case, thinking about children whose families were already at risk for experiencing poverty or um, have fallen into experiences of poverty and bouts of poverty as a consequence of the pandemic. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can find Direct Relief News on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, I'm Amarika Raffanelli.